What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. I'm honored to be with you tonight. As you know, this is the show that respects your intelligence and we honor you as a citizen. One of the things that's fun here is that we bring you stories that often the mainstream media ignore or censor, and we do it so often with a fantastic team from JustTheNews.com. We're joined now by the news editor at JustTheNews.com, Joe Weber. Joe, it's great to be on with you. One of the things I thought we might do today, Joe, is kind of look back with you and the Just The News team on what has been a really big news year in 2020. It's also the year that founder and editor-in-chief of JustTheNews.com, John Solomon, got this whole operation off the ground. Joe, give us your sense for what it was like to get Just The News started and your thoughts for some of your biggest stories of the year. Well, let me tell you, though, as you might know, this operation is started about 10 months ago uh, by John Solomon and with a lean, hand-picked team of reporters. I've known John since 2000 when I was his Metropolitan Desk Editor at the Washington Times covering the General Assembly in Maryland and Virginia, and I was the first breaking news editor. So when he gave me the opportunity, called me up and asked me if I wanted to work for him, I was very eager to, to work with him again. And as we all know, as you know, John, fantastic reporter. He spent decades at AP. And Washington Post, and um, you know, even President Trump talks about his reporting. Said he should have won a Pulitzer for his work on uh, reporting on Michael Flynn. John is a very fair and uh, and great champion of reporters, but he's also demanding. He likes to do stories that the mainstream media, as you just referred to, doesn't do. And that takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of muscle and stomach and hard work. And um, you have to want to do that to work for John to get these stories. So. That's the team that he has. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go into a lot of these stories that I'm going to let the reporters speak for themselves. And I'm going to let their work for themselves. Let me tell you a little bit about the first two, the group. First, to start off with Nick Fallacy, who's our congressional reporter. And when I first talked about John and having Nick, he just said, look, the guy makes viral videos. Okay. Enough said. And sure enough, you know, you'll see a couple of the ones that he did. I think he did one with uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. That was just fantastic. And then Sophie, who is man, relatively young reporter, uh, she started off as an intern at the Wall Street Journal. She's handpicked. And as I said before, she's young, first couple of years of reporting, but she really is one of the most politically fluent reporters I've ever talked to, period. And she's a very astute political insight, very fast writer, very accurate writer. I work with her very close, have for nine months, um, really, really enjoy working with her. Awesome. Well, Joe, the good news for us is that we actually have Sophie Mann right here in studio. She does do an incredible job. Sophie, you really do. You do a fantastic job. It is an honor to have you on the set. As you look back on the work you've done with JustTheNews.com over the course of 2020, what are some of the highlights for you? Well, first of all, what an introduction. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor and a pleasure to really kind of kick off my career at Just the News in our 
beginning stages. But this year, I think we've covered a number of incredible topics. Um, going back to the beginning of the year, sort of before 2020 really took the shape that it's in now, um, I remember the day that Harvey Weinstein was sentenced mm. after a lengthy yes. trial and years and years of speculation and, you know, the breaking of the Me Too movement. Right. It was such a big day here at the office when yes. um, Harvey was sentenced to 23 years in prison by a New York City court. Um, I remember we were in a meeting and we were getting calls and it was just this very, very, it was sort of one of the last times of 2020 that I remember a newsroom operating the way that we think newsrooms operate during non-pandemic times. Right, and it right. was just such, it was such an exciting moment, um, such a gratifying moment for a lot of the reporters who have been covering this from 2017 onward, a lot of people who just did so much underground work. And I think a pretty gratifying moment for the nation and of course the people impacted by yes. his um, horrible, horrible actions. Yes, yes. Um, as we moved through the year, I think a story that was perhaps underplayed, maybe even understandably so because of the election and the coronavirus and all of the things that have been occupying our nation's mind, um, was the number of peace deals that were brokered in the Middle East this mm. year. So, I mean, of course, now we sort of expect one a week in some some weeks. But uh, back in August, in mid-August, when it was first announced that the UAE was going to normalize diplomatic relations entirely with the state of Israel, uh, thanks to a deal brokered by President Trump um, with, you know, top advisors, including Jared Kushner and Mike Pompeo playing integral roles in that process. That was, I think, a really exciting moment, the beginning yeah. of the Abraham Accords and what those would go on to be and just the momentum building behind what ha what is a newly peaceful Middle East sort of pivoting their focus to um, a nuclear Iran that they, you know, do not want to deal with as a neighbor. So I think that's a really exciting story. That was a big moment where mm. we got to break that, see the White House press conference, um, and just really think about what that's going to mean uh, moving forward for a new administration and the region in general. And certainly both like really, really big stories. What's it been like for you working here at, at JustTheNews.com where you guys are, you're often out there chasing and breaking stories that are ignored by the mainstream media oftentimes until the team at Just the News really breaks them. Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing. Not a day goes by where we don't have some new colorful subject to discuss. Yes. Um, a lot of times it's fun to be in the loop with, you know, what the on the same beats that the rest of the media is covering, but it's also really fun and rewarding to sort of be on that secondary or sometimes tertiary track of concentrating on a story that we don't feel like is getting enough attention and really think about the systems at play and how, you know, certain stories like the Hunter Biden story or, you know, Russia collusion, um, the Ukrainians, uh, big tech, things like that. And because what happens when you're focused on those stories is that your sources are better. People mm -hmm. want to come to you. People who care about these subject matters are interested in speaking to the select few media outlets that wish to cover your story as opposed to, you know, the bigger stories, which of course are still important, but everybody is really competing over the same five, ten important voices. Um, and so it, it feels good. It feels good and like we're making a difference and like we really have the opportunity to think about the way in which the world works that, you know, a lot of mainstream media organizations don't think about. Awesome. Well, so for you are, you're doing an incredible job. We love having you on the show. We know that our viewers uh, do as well. We hope that you get some good rest over the holidays and that you're ready to come back and break more stories in 2021. Of course. Awesome. And I also now I want to bring in Nick Ballacy. Nick is a senior correspondent at Just the News. He also does an incredible job. You've seen him on this program before. Nick, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, for 
you, when you look back on this year, and it has, it's been a very big news year, what are some of your biggest stories of 2020? Well, I would say one of the biggest stories was asking the majority leader in the House about possibly uh, delaying the election, because if you remember, there mm. were calls for delaying the election, even though it's it's set in the Constitution, you can't really do it. But there were some people talking about maybe there needs to be a delay in the election. So I was just trying to get a reaction from the majority leader about this, just to see what he would say. Yeah. And it led into a discussion about uh, the uh, mail-in voting when now this was March, uh, mm. at the beginning of the pandemic, when nobody was really talking about the fact that this could turn into uh, an election by mail. And that was actually Hoyer's exact quote of the majority leader saying this uh, election in November, looking forward, could turn into an election by mail, which really set up the mail-in voting push that the Democrats were making in terms of expanding vote by mail. They eventually passed the HEROES Act in May, which had a ton of uh, different regulations and rules in it that would have expanded a uh, vote by mail. If you recall, there was the USPS debate about giving the USPS billions right. of dollars more to handle mail-in voting. So just staying on top of these uh, topics, but seeing the trends is what we do at Just the News, looking ahead and asking questions like that uh, to kind of push the conversation forward uh, and, and you know, breaking unique stories. I would say around the stimulus debate, other than the uh, election by mail, which I think we were ahead of there with this Hoyer story, would be uh, the bill. The stimulus mm. bill was the largest stimulus bill passed in the history of the country, the uh, CARES Act, $2.2 trillion. When that bill was being debated, I was trying to get the final language of the bill because I knew they were going to probably drop this bill at the last minute. They tend to do this with big pieces of legislation. The leadership will drop the bill, and all of a sudden there's a vote in uh, less than 24 hours. And I knew that that could happen again. Mm. So I was asking, I want to see the text. I want to see the text. And I wasn't able to get the final text of the bill because it didn't really exist and, until about uh, five, six hours before the vote. So I wound up doing a story. All right, if I can't get the text and I haven't seen the text anywhere from any offices or committees, I'm putting out a story saying, where's the bill? We haven't seen the full text of the bill. So we put that story out there and the Drudge Report had it at the top that Congress is, you know, not being transparent about this process of the largest stimulus bill in history. So, again, it's something where even if you don't have the answer, you can still put the story out there and say, hey, we don't have the legislation yet. There's a vote scheduled in less than 24 hours. Where's the bill? So there's another uh, unique story that that we did. And then I would say a, a video, a good video interview story would be the one with uh Congresswoman Ocasio-Cortez, I was able to interview her uh, early October about Biden, because if you remember, uh, Senator Sanders was saying for a while that Biden was not progressive enough, but we hadn't heard from AOC what she thought right. about right. Biden's agenda and where he would want to go as president. So I asked her, do you share the same view as Sanders on this? And she gave me a great interview. Uh, she gave, gave me a lot of time. She talked a lot about uh, some issues where she thinks Biden needs to be more progressive and that she sees the progressive wing of the Democratic Party as being able to eventually push Biden in a more progressive direction. And the story was picked up by a lot of media outlets 
outside right. of just the news because I was the first reporter to actually to get actually her to talk about get, this get and react. That, get that conversation. And that's always been the case with uh, so many of the team at justthenews.com, that you guys are out there, you're breaking the news, and you're also often breaking it first. Well, right after the break, we're going to be back with some other great folks on the justthenews.com team looking back at some of their biggest stories of 2020. We'll be back in just a second. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. And now we're continuing our segment where we're talking with the JustTheNews.com team about some of their biggest stories of 2020. And right now, I want to bring in Just The News correspondent, Daniel Payne. Daniel, thanks so much for joining us, man. Eric, good to be here. Thanks for having me. So you've been on with our viewers. You've talked about a number of different stories over the course of 2020. But for you, Daniel, when you look back over the course of the past year, what are some of the biggest stories for you? Well, Eric, you know, I think um, uh, one of the first ones that comes to mind is um, it has to do with the Trump-Russia uh, uh, controversy, which, uh, you know, as you'll know, even continues to this day, even though yes. it's uh, been nominally uh, uh, closed. And uh, one of the biggest stories that we broke on that uh, came from a uh, June congressional hearing involving former Deputy Director, uh, excuse me, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein. And, uh, you know, as you may be aware, if you if you got to cover congressional hearings, a lot of times uh, it's nothing for a number of hours. Uh, you got to wade through a lot of stuff. But uh, Rosenstein dropped a, a huge bombshell uh, in that hearing after a question from Lindsey Graham. He admitted that by August of 2017, there was no real evidence to substantiate claims of Trump-Russia collusion. Uh, that's August of 2017. And as a lot of folks will remember, that investigation went on for about another year and a half uh, until we finally got the Mueller report. So to have such a high-ranking government official uh, admit that that investigation had failed to turn up any real evidence by that point was, was really quite a shocker. Um, yes. And then later in the year, you know, of course, the two of the biggest stories this year, uh, probably the biggest stories, have been the election and the uh, COVID pandemic. Now, mm. uh, the election, of course, occupied uh, so much coverage over the last uh, several months. One of the biggest stories that we broke on that front, I think, was uh, the revelation that um, uh, Mark Zuckerberg had given what amounted to, in the end, uh, about a third of a billion dollars to this group called the Center for Tech and Civic Life. Now, they're a left-of-center voter advocacy group, uh, and they undertook it to, uh, to really spend a lot of cash uh, helping uh, voting districts and municipalities and states uh, shore up their mail-in voting systems and, uh, and you know, really injected a lot of cash into uh, local and regional election politics. So to have that kind of massive infusion of private funds right. into elections uh, was really kind of an incredible story in an already uh, incredible election year. Yes. Now, and then as far as COVID goes, of course, that was going on, uh, you know, for the entirety of the time, no matter what else was right. happening, the pandemic was always on the back burner. 
uh, a big story that we actually broke just recently in the last few weeks uh, was that, you know, I'm sure you're aware of the media coverage uh, showing that, uh, you know, hospitals in the U.S. are on the brink of being overwhelmed. Uh, they're on the brink of collapse and are, and are very much in danger of being swamped by COVID patients. But we actually looked at federal data and spoke mm. to a high ranking official in a major hospital chain that's based on the West Coast. And what we found is that a number of hospitals across the country, a fair number of them are, are under strain because of the influx of COVID patients. They are having to figure out how to manage a pretty big crush of patients. But for the most part, nationwide, hospital capacity is actually doing quite well. Um, the official with the, the hospital chain on the West Coast said that they've had to get kind of creative, putting different patients, different patient uh, places in some cases. But for the most part, hospitals are managing to avoid being swamped and are holding up quite well into the pandemic, which is a big counteraction to the, the, the seriously negative media coverage that you've seen. So those are just three of the, the, the best stories that we broke uh, this year. And of course, we broke uh, many others uh, that, that are still up on the site. Well, those are all really big stories, Daniel, and we appreciate you. Uh, we know that our viewers enjoy having you come on the show. Thanks for, for breaking that down for us, and we'll look forward to having you, having you back again. Eric, thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. You bet. I want to turn now to host of Just the News AM and Just the News White House correspondent, Carrie Sheffield. Many of you see here, here on Real America's Voice. You start your day at 9 a.m. with Just the News AM. But, Carrie, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me. Of course, and for you, when you look back on 2020, big year, you've started the show, joined the Just the News team as they're taking off. What are some of the biggest stories for you? So obviously the coronavirus was the big story covering the White House, but also the relationship between President Trump and the press, I think is something that has really, from the president's perspective and his team, he said it over and over, we have done a lot of work, but it's really the media. He said where we failed was that we were not proactive enough to really tell that story to mm. the media uh, because the president's former spokeswoman uh, before Kaylee took over, Stephanie Grisham, she wasn't holding any press briefings at all. She was way more under the radar. Uh, and this was after Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who had been very much front and center and had been a punching bag for a very mm. aggressive press corps. So Stephanie took a much more behind the scenes perspective. And the word on the street was that the president wasn't really happy with that because he felt like she wasn't being proactive enough. And that's part of why he swapped out and got in Kaylee McEnany. Um, but in some respects, some people said that the president, by allowing the White House Correspondents Association, which is a very, very liberal group, it's yeah. an establishment, good old boys network. Um, if you're from a conservative leaning publication, good luck trying to get a leadership role on right. that board. Um, and we've seen it over and over. Uh, conservatives were really upset about the annual dinner they hosted a couple years ago where they brought in this liberal comedian who made all sorts of jokes that were very offensive, mm. uh, you know, very pro-abortion, very flagrantly uh, mocking people who are culturally conservative. Uh, and that's being paid for by the dues of the journalists who paid for this individual to come uh, and mock people of faith and, and uh, conservative yeah. people. Um, and so that governing board controls access to who's in the room with the president. And so day after day, you saw the president, uh, he wanted to talk about substance. I, I remember one of my first press conferences when I was able to get in as, as a startup, we're, we're having to, to fight with them also because they're trying to keep out incumbents because mm. it's, it's the liberal media trying to keep out alternative voices. Um, but being able to get in the room and ask the president uh, questions, it was so interesting because myself and a reporter from OANN, we were asking substantive foreign policy questions. And they have someone, I believe she was from NBC News, asking about QAnon. 
So mm. uh, this narrative that the you know the it's it's the right wing media is all about conspiracy theories. They certainly have an agenda, and the the agenda was to make the president look as bad as possible. Yeah, and what was it like for you? Uh, you're part of JustTheNews.com team, a new organization started this year. The, you're the White House correspondent. You're over there. What was it like for you being part of this team that is pursuing stories that often the mainstream media are ignoring or suppressing? Well, it, it's I, honestly, I uh, sometimes it, it's easy to feel like, oh, you're, you know, the, the cool kids, the, the, liberal kid, the liberal kids at the table are, are really trying to bully or intimidate. Um, they certainly did that to the One American News team. They were able to get uh, their tent, uh, and they it was vandalized. So the, the OANN tent where they do stand-ups, um, someone defaced, and, and they've stolen materials um, from their own tent. So it's just a very, uh, in some respects, hostile work environment to have uh, liberal journalists who don't want you in the room but because of this good old boys juggernaut, um, which arguably uh, a lot of conservatives say the president should have moved more quickly uh, to break that juggernaut, it would have been a lot easier uh, as a startup to get in, especially when you look at some of the outlets that are allowed to be credentialed and you look at their audience size mm. compared to what we have now with our audience yes. size. Um, it just doesn't make sense from a, a you know democracy perspective. Right. Well, look, and there is, there's a big growing audience at Real America's Voice, a big and growing audience at justthenews.com. What do you think are the biggest stories when you look back on where uh, you perhaps maybe even at just at during just the news am were able to bring folks in and bring a perspective that other people often might might not might not have seen in, in the last 30 seconds we've got sure so I think one of the biggest stories that I was proud to report about was about Jimmy Lai so he's the dissident he's been in and out of jail this whole year the Chinese authorities he fled China communist China at age 12 and he went to Hong Kong built himself a fortune very successful businessman and the Chinese government because he was supporting the democracy protesters in Hong Kong they have done everything they have can could. Uh, they've imprisoned him. They tried to take his money away. He's been supporting student protesters, um, and I was able to do an exclusive interview with him. It's a you know a 12 hours. It's the opposite end of the day, so I had to be here late at night to do that interview for him. And he's actually in prison right now again. Uh, I'm trying to get another interview with, with him, and, and his people are telling me he can't talk right now. Um, but it's something I was able to raise with the president, um, and Jimmy Lai thanked me for doing that. So That's very cool. It's another. It's another example of the kind of courageous, groundbreaking reporting that's happening here. Uh, Carrie, thanks so much and happy holidays to you. And Joe, I want to come back to you uh, as we wrap this up. You've got a great team uh, here together of uh, folks who are doing groundbreaking, courageous reporting. When you look back on 2020, what are the biggest highlights for you? Oh, I definitely think that the uh, reporting that John and some other people did with the investigation on uh, Michael Flynn, former White House National Security Advisor and uh, uh, Lieutenant General, and when they found out that the FBI and their interviewing of him uh, really didn't follow protocol and they sort of knew that uh, there really wasn't anything there, but they were still going to go after that. And then they finally, these John and other reporters on our team just kept after it and after it. And then when Barr moved to uh, get the, tr the case from the Justice Department dismissed, that was really an amazing day. It was, uh, it was a big day for a lot of people who had really thought that there was more to the story than, you know, the mm. mainstream wanted to report. That was a big day. And obviously, um, you talk about how the power of video, like with Nick's, and when President Trump, um, when they cleared uh, Lincoln Park there and he went out and in front of the church with the Bible. That was that was sort of an amazing day too. It was really show that uh, 
he was he was courageous and he was not going to be intimidated by uh, you know people and he was going to do what he thought was right and that was to make sure that these uh, statues didn't get defaced and so I think that they were really two big things. I would also like to point out, if I may have a couple seconds yeah. going forward, um, that I don't think that the election fraud story is going to go away. And I know that if John has his way. It, you know, he will continue to report on that as hard as he will. I think there are other interesting things coming up. Um, Joe Biden's appointees uh, or his nominations to cabinet positions. I know that we're going to report on them as rigorously as anybody else does. And if I just can 10, 10 more seconds, I just want to point out that with Kerry and David, I don't think people really understand just how much they fly a little bit without a net. I mean, to go up in that White House press corps, tough as they are and insular as they are, uh, she might look very nice, but she's got some sharp elbows. Yeah, David Payne, stories live a, by Twitter and Facebook. It's a courageous. It's a courageous team of fighters. It's been doing a lot of a lot of groundbreaking work, and we know that our viewers enjoy it. Joe, we appreciate you and the whole team. Stay right with us, folks. Okay. Picture this: It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Well, welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. Uh, you've heard today from a lot of the great folks on the Just the News team. We're going to be joined now by phone with Just the News senior national security correspondent, Susan Katz-Keating. It's been a big year in stories on the national security side. We, in some ways, it's been a wild year. We saw the Eddie Gallagher case. There was the saga involving the captain of the aircraft carrier Roosevelt. We've gone through Navy secretaries and defense secretaries. Susan has been there at at the Pentagon covering it all. Susan, it's been a big year. When you look back over the course of 2020, what are some of the biggest national security stories that stand out to you? Well, I see quite a few, Eric, and in a couple of different realms. Yeah. But overall, there have been like shifts in events that will reshape our future. So in the good news element, the Abraham Accords, yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, I think that's really going to do a lot to, to reshape um, you know, events in the Middle East and, and peace in general. Then more on a, on a granular level, uh, you mentioned the Eddie Gallagher case. There's been a lot of pressure from the leadership in special operations, especially on the, on the forces to sort of shape up and behave and to examine their culture. So there's been a real, like a, a deep dive into like, what is the culture of special operations? Mm -hmm. But I have not seen like a parallel path asking, um, are we overusing them? Like, what are the pressures that we're putting on our, our forces that we rely so heavily on, like in special operations, to do these vital missions? So I, I don't see a, um, a concomitant effort to, to see, like, what, what are the, what's the cause and effect? You know, mm -hmm. we're seeing things like um, you can't have beards or, you know, you, you've got to go by uh, a lot of rules and regulations. So that, I think, is something worth watching as uh, special operations comes into play in the future. On the home front, I'm seeing a lot of sort of the masks are being ripped off 
of many of the actors and alliances that in, previously had been in the shadows. So we're mm. seeing um, sort of Bolshevik-style antics going largely unchecked among, have you seen the, you know, the, the anarchists, the Antifa people who, who really have shown a tremendous you know, fondness for, for violence mm-hmm. and the kind of tactics we saw the Bolsheviks use and these have these have not been brought under under rain. And we've also got uh, huge stories with hacking, with espionage. Chinese espionage has been shown to be far more pervasive than than even some of our experts probably realized. We've got the hacks of the U.S. government systems. We've got Russia. Uh, we've got Russian buildup of forces along their western border with Eastern Europe. So there's just a whole lot going on. Yes. Well, and we appreciate you, Susan, being there in the Pentagon with your sources, out sometimes on the front lines talking with people to bring all of these really important stories to uh, justthenews.com readers and to the viewers at, uh, at Real America's Voice. And we know we'll be talking more with you in 2021. Again, folks, that's Susan Katz-Keating, Just the News National Security Correspondent. And one of the stories that she mentioned was the Abraham Accords. And and speaking of Israel, I want to bring in Adam Credo. He's a senior writer reporting on national security and foreign policy matters for the Washington Free Beacon. He's an award-winning reporter. He's broken news from across the globe, and he's got a new story out about the U.S. embassy, about the United States moving forward with Jerusalem embassy construction amid questions about Biden's Israel policy. Adam, it's great to have you on. Uh, can I ask you to start by just breaking down this story for our viewers? Sure, of course. Look, we all know that Trump uh, made the historic decision to relocate the U.S. embassy in Israel from Tel Aviv, where historically it had been to Jerusalem. Uh, We all understand the implications of that. It's an acknowledgement that Jerusalem is, in fact, Israel's capital city, despite Palestinian claims to areas around there. Um, So once he made that decision, a lot of things moved into motion. Uh, They didn't really have a large embassy facility in Jerusalem that could house the number of staff and Mm. have the secure areas that they needed. So they had to get the ball rolling on that. Um, The latest quarterly report to Congress on the progress from the State Department and on public report that I uh, obtained a copy of says that they continue to make strides. And despite a Biden administration coming in in January, they will continue major construction on uh, facilities in Jerusalem that will allow them to expand the staff. So that ball is rolling and it continues to pick up steam, despite what Biden may choose to do with a lot of uh, the Trump administration's pro-Israel policies. Yeah. And Adam, let's let's talk about some of those pro Israel policies. I mean, we've had a lot of guests on this show who've talked about the strides that the Trump administration has made on behalf of pro-Israel policies. I mean, we're just talking about moving the embassy was one of them, but also you look at the Abraham Accords and what's happened now with Sudan, with Morocco, with Bahrain, all of these peace agreements, which we haven't seen for almost a quarter of a century. All of this moving forward, the Trump administration's harder line with Iran. When you look at this from your perspective, which of these Trump administration policies do you think are going to have the longest lasting effects moving forward? 
Well, look, we can start with the the embassy being moved. Biden has already said that he's not going to attempt to move it back to Tel Aviv. Um, that that is kind of already out of the box. You know, the Trump yeah. administration did that, and you can't really. Um, stop it. They recognized it. Um, what he can do is things like recognize or establish a consulate in East Jerusalem, giving legitimacy to Palestinian claims on that area. We could see that. Um, I think also up in the air is the Golan Heights recognition, which mm. we uh, haven't mentioned yet. That's the area that borders Syria on Israel's northern border. And of course, a lot of ISIS militants and other uh, Hezbollah operatives, uh, Iranian-backed Hezbollah, I might add, are operating along there. So Israel sees that as a um, a vital area for its security. I was there just a few weeks ago with um, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo when he made that historic visit to the Golan Heights, the first for any U.S. official ever. It yes. was uh, quite monumental. So I think Biden will have a decision to make of whether he continues uh, that policy. Because again, from the Israeli side, I think it's hard to put that back into the box. The Israelis mm -hmm. have gotten that recognition. Um, on the Abraham Accords, Biden is facing a major decision. Do you build on the progress, this seismic shift that's happened across the Middle East, or do you turn your back on that and mm -hmm. pivot back to Tehran, redo a nuclear agreement, um, wind back sanctions, provide them with uh, cash relief. I think all of that could be very harmful to the progress that's been made on peace. And Adam, as you look at folks who may join a potential uh, Biden administration, what's your assessment of where they stand on Israel? I, look, we're seeing a combination of, of both. I think there's a lot of the conventional democratic foreign policy establishment that is um, uh, a, a big part of Biden's fold and certainly was a big part of the Obama administration. His secretary of state picked Tony Blinken as a pretty reliable moderate. I think somebody that the State Department, where I'm at most days, um, I, I think will react very well to. Uh, however, you can't underestimate the pressure from the left flank. What's happening? in Congress, lawmakers that we, we all read about all the time, the Rashida Tlaibs, the Ilhan Omars. I think there's real pressure um, from that leftern flank for Biden to enact more harder line policies on Israel. That could mean holding up aid or conditioning U.S. aid on Israel implementing uh, mm. concessions to the Palestinians. So I think we'll have to look for these kinds of things in the first couple months. Awesome. And, and speaking of that, Adam, as you look out over the course of the next couple couple weeks, over the holidays, oftentimes we know politicians try to drop bad news or news that they don't want folks to say. Um, and as you look into the new year, what are the big things that you're going to be watching for, which will be indicators of where America's Israel policy is going? Well, look, I think we always have to look at the moves we're making on Iran because um, that is inextricably mm -hmm. linked to our Israel policy. The Israelis don't want a Biden administration to go back into that deal and wind back all the tough sanctions. And just yesterday, we saw the Trump administration issue new sanctions on Iran. So I think that's a guidepost of where they're going in the next couple of weeks. Look, the Trump administration is not going to stop until its final days in office. Um, 
upholding that policy of maximum pressure. And I think they're going to make it as difficult as possible for a Biden administration to unwind it. And I, I see that very similarly at the State Department, too, with Mike Pompeo. He continues with that America first diplomacy that he's been touting for years. And he's putting uh, elements in place that will make it more difficult for a next State Department to reverse a lot of those historic moves. Absolutely. And, and Adam, just very quickly, uh, 20 seconds are left. I know it's a, a tough question to answer quickly, but you've been covering these issues for a while. Quick assessment of President Trump's pro-Israel legacy. Well, look, uh, the, the, the move to Jerusalem is going to be the one that is absolutely historic. And of course, the peace agreements. We haven't had peace um, with Arab nations for decades. And now you have four or five more becoming Saudi Arabia is a partner like it's never been before. It is a monumental shift that uh, we're going to be talking about, I think, for many, many years. Awesome. Well, Adam, thank you so much. We appreciate you and the entire team at the Washington Free Beacon uh, covering these issues and joining our viewers here at Real America's Voice. Well, folks, before we go, this weekend here on Real America's Voice, we're going to have full, uninterrupted coverage of the Turning Point Student Action Summit. So you can tune in Saturday, Sunday, and Monday right here at Real America's Voice. I think you're going to enjoy it. And uh, take a look right here. This is the most important thing that we can do is activate yeah. young people. It was very empowering to see a lot of these teenagers and college students actually willing to do something. It's, it's incredible. It's electric. America's voice matters. America's voice matters. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome back to Actionable Intelligence. I'm Eric Greitens. We heard from the JustTheNews.com team of reporters about what the biggest stories were of 2020. And as you know, we now have a fantastic partnership with Real America's Voice and JustTheNews.com so that we are bringing you the stories that you need to know and often bringing you the stories that the mainstream media is ignoring. Well, Miranda Khan brings you the news every day here at noon. We are pleased to have her on the show. Miranda, how are you doing today? I am doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on your program. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're excited to have you on, Miranda. Look, you've been bringing the news to folks every day at noon on News On. As you look back over the course of 2020, what were the biggest news stories for you? I think this is definitely a year that's going to go down in the record books in itself. Uh, but there's so many, obviously, uh, COVID-19, the pandemic, uh, one of the top ones. And I think it's fair to say, since we cover politics here, the 2020 presidential election. And I think most recently, Hunter Biden. But putting yeah. politics aside, uh, you may recall we actually went to Louisiana to cover the hurricanes there. This was a record year for hurricanes in this country. 
And don't forget those California wildfires that we saw and those wildfires in Australia. Also, uh, the passing of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and the appointment of Amy Coney Barrett. So it has been a very interesting year, to say the least. I'm sure a lot of people looking forward to next year. Yes, I think there are. There are a lot of folks looking forward to, to 2021, but absolutely a lot that happened in 2020 for folks to, to look back on. And Miranda, one of the things that I love that you do on the show is that you often put questions out to your audience. You get a lot of audience engagement. You ask people their opinion on the news of the day. As you look back over 2020, what were some of the biggest questions that you got the most engagement from on your, on your, from your audience? Well, thank you so much for saying that. That is something that we strive to do every day on this program. Sometimes I think it can almost come across condescending some of these programs that you see on mainstream yeah. media outlets as if like the audience can't possibly understand or form an opinion that they always have to hear from an expert. I think it, right. you know, it, it's talking down to them. And I, I believe in what we do here and I like to give people a platform so their voice can be heard because it matters. Yes. And there's so many questions that we got responses on and I think it's catching on more and more every day. But if I had to kind of narrow it down, I would say we've done a couple questions about vaccines, whether or not people would take them, whether or not they should be mandated. Mm. Also, uh, one of the recent questions we asked was, of course, about the president's border wall. This was one of the biggest things that President Trump campaigned on. And a lot of people are saying that that support uh, Joe Biden that he should put a halt to that so we asked our viewers and we have just received a plethora of responses about that and then of course last but not least when it comes to the election we've had many questions about this most recently asking people whether or not they thought there was actual voter fraud and if they would vote again and surprisingly there was a good mix of people but yeah there are a lot of people that are very apprehensive, that feel like their vote doesn't matter now because of right. what happened in the 2020 presidential election. Now, will that change uh, because of these like Senate committee hearings? That remains to be seen. Absolutely. Well, folks, again, that's Miranda Khan. She's the host of News on Miranda. It's so good to have you on the show. If you catch actionable intelligence at night and you want to get a great news show in the afternoon, check it out at noon. Miranda does a fantastic job every day. So, in uh, with that, you know, we also, as we mentioned, we had this great partnership between JustTheNews.com and Real America's Voice. And I want to bring on for some perspective on 2020, the CEO of Real America's Voice, Howard Diamond. Howard, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for inviting me, Eric. Of, of course. So, Howard, first, tell our audience, why was it so important to Real America's Voice to build this partnership with JustTheNews.com? You know, John Solomon has stood for integrity. Um, for as long as I can remember. And, and, and I think that's something that's critically missing right now in our national narrative. And so what he's created with Just the News compounds that whole concept of integrity and showing where your sources come from and showing what reality is in terms of, of the delivery of the news. And so we really wanted to take that whole concept and make it part of what we did at Real America's Voice there was no better way to do that than to actually partner with John and Just the News. Well, I'll certainly say from, from my perspective and what we're hearing from, from our viewers, they love, A, 
getting this justthenews.com information that's coming out. A lot of times John and his team are breaking stories, sometimes first in the country to do so. And like you said, they also appreciate the fact that there's always this dig in feature on all of their stories so that our viewers can actually go out and they can look at the original documents themselves. And so, yeah, it's certainly been, been a successful partnership from the standpoint of our viewers. When you look at what we've achieved in 2020 and you look forward to 2021, share with our viewers a little bit about what you think we've accomplished and what's on the horizon. You know, I, I think about things like election night. I think about things like debate nights and, and some of the post-election coverage. I think about watching you and Gina Loudon and John Solomon and Mark Serrano on this set talking intelligently about what was going on and giving people views of things that were critically different. And, you know, for me, that sets the stage for the whole kind of thing we want to do throughout 2021. Yeah, I, I think it is one of the things that people really appreciate is that we do respect their intelligence. That's something Miranda just said, is that people want to have the choice, chance to have their opinions heard, and they like being able to really hear from people, really hear some substantive thought instead of 20 or 30 second sound bites. Well, Howard, it is great to have you on. Thank you for joining us on the Actionable Intelligence set. We'll, uh, we'll look forward to having you on again in 2021. Thank you, Eric, and we're delighted with everything you're doing with us. Thank you, thank you very much. All right, and finally, last but certainly not least, I wanna to turn to Amanda Head. She's out in Los Angeles. You've seen her many times before on this program. Amanda, so good to have you with us today. Hi, Eric, what a year it has been. As our colleague Steve Bannon likes to say, you can have 10 years where practically nothing happens and then in the blink of an eye, sometimes you've got 10 years worth of news stories that come straight at you. So the first thing I wanna bring up obviously is COVID and that kind of ties in politicians who are utterly hypocritical and unfortunately have been receiving the ire of a lot of their citizens. Case in point here in California, our lovely own Gavin Newsom, who I'm sure you are aware a few weeks ago was caught dining out at $300 a pop at the French Laundry in California. He is now the subject of a recall. So here in California, you have to have 1.5 million signatures on a petition to have a politician recalled. They're about halfway there. So Gavin Newsom is actually starting to get a little nervous and that's, that's amazing. That makes me very happy. So if they get the rest of the way there, if they push past that mid mark and it, this, this effort is gaining momentum, then when March rolls around, a recall of Gavin Newsom is going to be on the ballot. So that's our centralized news here in California. The next thing, obviously election fraud, not voter fraud, election fraud, because we are seeing so much news and Eric, you have been covering it as well of multiple fronts where this election was attempted to be stolen and there is going to be tons of news coming out over the Christmas holiday and we are going to be hearing more and more about some of those cases. Sidney Powell's got cases docketed with the Supreme Court. Again, that does not mean that they are necessarily going to hear it, but she has filed them that pivotal Pennsylvania case that is based on a constitutional issue. And then you've got the legislative process, January 6th, where, you know, state legislatures and then obviously members of the House and the Senate could vote to reject the votes. You've got Mo Brooks from my home state of Alabama in the House of Representatives who has pledged to deny those votes or to reject them. We just need someone in the Senate. I have a few candidates. Uh, the number one candidate that I have, I think, is Rick Scott. I think that he would be an excellent person to represent the Senate to say nay, nay, nay. Um, also, 
tying it in with COVID, I just got booted off of Nextdoor last week because someone was narking on people in the park who were not wearing masks, and they gave me the boot off of Nextdoor for telling them that Chairman Mao appreciates their service to the Red Guard. So we are entering a time in America, there's kind of this overarching theme where we are inching closer and closer to things that I really, really don't like. Like I said, narking on your families and uh, friends and neighbors, and I just, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it, but hey, if Joe Biden takes office January 20th, I think that this is just kind of a, a little buffer before we move into to full-on changed America. Well, again, that was Amanda Head out there in Los Angeles. And folks, we've got a fantastic team here at Real America's Voice at JustTheNews.com. Those were some of the big stories over the course of 2020. Uh, you heard from folks, some of them in Los Angeles. You've got folks in Florida. We've got a great team that's brought you stories from New Hampshire, from Arizona, from across the country, and from a lot of different perspectives. And that's what we're going to continue to do throughout the rest of 2020 and into the new year. One thing I do want to let you know is that this weekend, Real America's Voice is going to be covering the Student Action Summit. They'll be doing that on Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. You can watch that coverage here. Guys, have a great night and go ahead and take a look at what's upcoming this weekend. This is the most important thing that we can do is activate yeah. young people. It was very empowering to see a lot of these teenagers and college students actually willing to do something. It's, it's incredible. It's electric. America's voice matters. America's voice matters.